creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together ooky, the Adams family. The house is a museum, when people come to see them, they really are a scream, the Adams family. Neat. Sweet. So get a witch's shawl on, a broomstick you can crawl on, we're gonna pay a call on the Adams Family. When it comes to the dynamic of a nuclear family, there is no better wholesome example than that of a family that is creepy and kooky, mysterious and spooky, altogether ooky. This is the story of the Adams Family. This is Toys for Us. Monster. It's the most fun in the park. When you're laughing in the dark. That began the nightmare on my street. It's just a game, isn't it? The Adams family. Tears from the They say he's tired of his flaming top. He's got a yen to make a swap. So he rides one night each year to find a head in the hollow here. Anything can happen on Halloween. I'll put a spell on you. Hello, children of the night. Hi. Welcome back to the Toys R Us podcast. Your walk through a cemetery to dig up the history of a piece of your childhood that left an undeniable mark. Yes. Welcome back to another of the 13 days of Halloween. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me, as always, is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Hello. Hello, comrade. Today we will be talking about a family that we have all spent a lot of time with. Yeah. A family that, while very, let's say, unique... Indeed. ...has a following that loves them completely. Yeah. It's, it almost seems like it's kind of like a Coke versus Pepsi. Yes. Uh, White Sox versus Cubs. Between uh, the Adams, Adams family, family and the, the monsters. monsters. Yeah. I'm firmly in the Adams family camp yeah, on that one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's just me. I think, like, the monsters never acted like monsters. That's true, yes. Right? Right. But the Adams family were totally human, and they were a lot yes. darker. Yes. They did a lot darker things. They're like, oh, okay. Case in point, fucking the Adams family movie starts with them, like, boiling carolers. <laughs> Alrighty then. <sighs> that being said, are you ready to dive on in? Hell yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Just gather around and I'll elucidate on what goes on outside when it gets late. We start our tale in Westfield, New Jersey. Westfield. On January 7th, 1912. Oh, yeah. Where we meet up with a husband and wife, Grace and Charles H. Adams. Oh. Welcoming to their world a post-New Year's gift. 
a baby boy that they named Charles Samuel Adams. Oh. Yes. Cool. He was known as something of a rascal around the neighborhood, as childhood <laughs> friends were called. <laughs> Adams was distantly related to U.S. Presidents John Adams and John Quincy Adams, despite oh, the different spellings of their last names. Right. And was a first cousin twice removed to noted social reformer Jane Adams. Oh, damn. She's got a interchange here in Chicago named after mm-hmm. A house on Elm Street and another on Dudley Avenue into which police once caught him breaking in and entering are said to be the uh, inspiration for the Adams Family Mansion in his cartoons. <laughs> which makes me wonder if Elm Street Got is the, uh, an homage <laughs> yeah. to that. Yeah, probably. I would say probably so. Yes. College Hall, the oldest building on the current campus of the University of Pennsylvania, where Adams studied, was also an inspiration for the mansion. He was fond of visiting the Presbyterian Cemetery on Mountain Avenue, and one friend said of him, his sense of humor was a little different from everybody else's. (laughs) Boy, I know what that's like. Oh, yes. (laughs) Things get dark very fast. Very quickly. He was also artistically inclined, drawing with a happy vengeance, according Hmm. to a biographer. His father encouraged him to draw, and Adams did cartoons for the Westfield High School student literary magazine Weathervane. He attended Colgate University in 1929 and 1930. Um, at the corners of West Kendrick and Maple Avenues in Hamilton, New York, is another home and myth that may have also inspired the Adams family house. Hmm. Which is, makes sense. Like, yeah. you pull a whole bunch of different things in yeah, to create something bigger, you know? Yes, exactly. He also attended the University of Pennsylvania, where a fine arts building on campus is named for him, in 1930 and 1931. In the front of the building is a sculpture of the silhouettes of the Adams Family characters. uh, And the library at Penn State contains a mural which he created in 1952 and depicts prominent Adams Family members. That's baller. Which is nice. Yeah, hell yeah. He then studied at the Grand Central School of Art in New York City in 1931 and 1932. In 1933, Charles Adams joined the layout department of True Detective Magazine, where he had to retouch photos of corpses that appeared in the magazine's stories to remove the blood from them. Suitably spooky. Yes. Adams complained, a lot of those corpses were more interesting the way they were. (laughs) Boy, that sounds like something we would say, doesn't it? It really does. It does. Adams' first drawing for The New Yorker, a sketch of a window washer, ran on February 6, 1932, and his cartoons ran regularly in the magazine to 1937, when he drew the first in the series that came to be called The Adams Family, until his death. Hmm. He was a freelancer throughout the time. During World War II, Adams served at the Signal Corps Photographic Center in New York, where wow. he made animated training films for the U.S. Army. Oh, like like those how-to-spot film yeah. things? Ah, nice. Which uh, brings us back to the Viewmaster episode. Yeah, totally does. Two big fucking things. <laughs> one instrumental in being a shitbag, one instrumental in being fucking rad as hell. Amazing. In late 1942, he met his first wife, Barbara Jean Day who purportedly resembled his cartoon character Morticia Adams. Uh, The marriage ended eight years later, after Adams, who hated small children, refused to adopt one. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I understand that. She later married New York colleague 
our New Yorker colleague John Hearsay, author of the book Hiroshima. Oh, damn. Adams married his second wife, Barbara Barb, a.k.a. Estelle B. Barb, in 1954. A a practicing lawyer, she combined Morticia-like looks with diabolical legal scheming, by which she (laughs) wound up controlling the Adams Family television and film franchises and persuaded her husband to give away other legal rights. Oh, damn. At one point, she got her husband to take out a $100,000 insurance policy. Adams consulted a lawyer on the sly who later humorously wrote, I told him the last time that I had word of such a move was in a picture called Double Indemnity, starring (laughs) Barbara Stanwyck, which I called to his attention. In the movie, Stanwyck's character plotted her husband's murder. The couple divorced in 1956. (laughs) Adam was sociable and debonair, a a biographer described him as being a well-dressed, courtly man with silvery... Silvery, yeah, that's right. I'm about to have a fucking raccoon moment here. Uh, a silvery back combed hair and a gentle manner. He bore no resemblance to a fiend. Figuratively, yeah, like Gomez. yeah exactly. Figuratively, a lady killer. Adams yeah. accompanied women such as Greta Garbo, John, uh, Joanne Fontaine, Fontaine, and Jacqueline Kennedy on social occasions. Who could you go? <laughs> Get it, Chuck? Fuck you yeah. Know? Later, Adams married his third and last wife, Marilyn Matthews Miller, best known as T, 1926 to 2002. Oh, wow. Um, in a pet cemetery. <laughs> That's <laughs> when they mar- got married. I mean, it's fitting. In 1985, Adamses moved to Saginapak, New York, where they named their estate The Swamp. Yes. Adams died on September 29, 1988, at the age of 76 at St. Clair's Hospital and Health Center in New York City, having suffered a heart attack after parking his automobile. Ugh, An ambulance took him from his apartment to the hospital, where he died in the emergency room. As he had requested, a wake was held rather than a funeral. He had wished to be remembered as a good cartoonist. He was cremated, and his ashes were buried in the pet cemetery of his estate, The Swamp. <laughs> Which is so befitting of the man who created such a unique family. It really is. So now we will turn our our attention to the family. Adam's original cartoons were one-panel gags. The characters were underdeveloped and unnamed until the television series production. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Gomez and Pugsley are enthusiastic. Morticia is even in disposition, muted, witty, and sometimes deadly. Mm. Grandma Frump is foolishly good-natured. Wednesday is her mother's daughter. A closely knit family, the real head being Morticia, although each of the others is a definite character, except for Grandma, who is easily led. <laughs> Many of the troubles they have as a family are due to Grandma's fumbling. Sounds about right. The house is a wreck, of course, but this is a house-proud family just the same, and every trapdoor is in good repair. Money is no problem. The family appears to be a single surviving branch of the Adams clan. Many other Adams families exist all over the world, and according to the film version, the family credo is Sic gorgiamus allos subjectatus nunc. We gladly feast on those who would subdue us. Not just pretty words. Baller! Yes. Charles Adams was first inspired by his hometown of Westfield, New Jersey an area full of ornate Victorian mansions and archaic graveyards. 
and the original comic series, they live in a gothic house on Cemetery Ridge. According to the television series, they live in a gloomy mansion adjacent to a cemetery and a swamp. Um, All the better for playing Wake the Dead. Absolutely. In the Adams Family musical, first shown in Chicago in 2009, the house is located in Central Park. Although most of the humor derives from the fact that they share macabre interests, the Adamses are not evil. They are a close-knit extended family. Morticia is an exemplary mother, and she and Gomez remain passionate towards each other. Which, duh. Yeah. You know, that's like goals. I mean, come on. <laughs> Couple yeah. goals. Relationship goals, Absolutely. for sure. Currently seeking my Morticia Adams. Send all applications to get, the Toys R Us podcast. Get this man a girl. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> uh... Created by the television series writer, she calls him Bubula, to which he responds by kissing her arms. Behavior Morticia can also provoke by speaking a few words in French. It's true. The meaning is not important. Any French will do. (laughs) Which is so the opposite of me, because I fucking cannot stand... French? French. Yeah, it's not my favorite language, that's for sure. It's like guttural sounds. Uh, Well, then Klingon is not for you. (laughs) No. No. I'm like, no, stop. What? Stop. No. Are you throwing out? Do you need a puke bucket? Je ne sais quoi. Qu'est-ce que c'est? You know? Far better. The parents are supportive of their children, and the family is friendly and hospitable to visitors, in some cases willing to donate large sums of money to causes, despite the visitors' horror at the Adams's particular lifestyle. <laughs> Which, hey, you know what? You know what? Humanitarians. Yeah, fucking A. (laughs) Philanthropists. Don't judge. Fucking judgy fucks. Fucking judgy fucks. Fucking judgy fucks. (laughs) Fucking judgy fucks. (laughs) Fucking judgy fucks. Fucking judgy fucks. Fucking judgy fucks. Fucking judgy fucks. That's funny. That is, it's good. The incarnation that brought Charles Macabre family to worldwide att- attention was the ABC's original television series developed by David Levy which ran for 64 episodes over two seasons from September 8th 1964. The project was delayed for a little while as the rights belonged to Adams's ex-wife Estelle who held out for more money before an agreement was of reached. Because she's a lawyer, you know, yeah. she fucking knew what she was doing. The show starred John Aston, which... Come on! Amazing. As a scheming patriarch, Gomez. A suave version than his inked namesake. Carolyn Jones is his aloof wife, Morticia. Jackie Coogan is his wife's oddball brother, Uncle Fester. <laughs> Ted Cassidy is their towering manservant, Lurch. Blossom Rock is Grandmama, the witch. Lisa Loring as the morose daughter, Wednesday. And Ken Weatherwax as Naughty Son Pugsley. Now, I saw a picture someone took at, like, a spirit Halloween store or something. Mm-hmm. And oh, since I think they, I saw this. Since they don't have the rights to say Wednesday, it said Midweek Cutie. Yeah, yeah, spooky Midweek Cutie. <laughs> oh, my. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Filmed in black and white, this cl- classic version of the Adams Family is perhaps best remembered for Vic Mazzy's catchy theme tune uh, and associated finger clicks. Yeah. 
which Charles loved, although he lamented that the sitcom wasn't as macabre as his two-dimensional cartoons. Mm, yeah, that's true, but... But it was also, like, I mean, 60s. it was the 64. I mean, yeah. how, how macabre could you get at that yeah. point? Yeah. Incredibly, it wasn't until this TV series was being developed that Adams even gave his creations names and more rounded personalities. The success of the TV show proved to be a double-edged sword, however, as the New Yorker stopped printing the NF Family cartoons because of perceived conflict of interest. Which is stupid, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's dumb. Now they would continue to do both. Yes, you know? absolutely. ABC made a pilot for a variety show version of the TV show in 1973, which recast every role. Ugh. Jack Riley and Liz Torres, who also wrote the special, played Gomez and Marticia, and were joined by Stubby K as Fester, Pat McCormick as Lurch, and Butch Patrick as Pugsley. Yeah. Whose casting was ironic, seeing that he played Eddie Munster in The Munsters. Yeah. A rival show that aired alongside the original Adams Family to higher ratings. Hmm. Which is just like... It's a slap in the face. Yeah. Because, I mean... I can't hear that phrase, though, without thinking about Alanis Morissette. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. 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 Um, having appeared in well-received 1972 episodes of the new Scooby-Doo movies, Scooby-Doo <laughs> meets the Adams Family, which saw Aston, Jones, Coogan, and Cassidy return to their voice TV roles. Yeah. Or, to return to voice their TV roles. Hanna-Barbera were encouraged to bring the family to animation for their own show. The result was this cartoon, with the characters were modeled on Adam's comic panels, which ran for two seasons, although the second season was just repeats. Oh. A big thanks. change to the format was having the family hit the road in a wacky racist style of Victorian motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, while Coogan and Cassidy returned to voice Fester and Lurch, the other stars of the 1960s show were, re- were replaced by Lenny Weinreb, voice of Scrappy-Doo, as uh-huh. Gomez, Janet Waldo, the, vo- uh, the voice of Penelope Pitstop, as Morticia, uh-huh. Cindy Henderson as Wednesday, <laughs> and incredibly, a 10-year-old Jodie Foster as Pugsley. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's, That's awesome. awesome, right? Uh, this show altered established mythology so that Uncle Fester became Gomez's bio... Bi- Raccoon. Raccoon. <laughs> became, Gomez, became Gomez's biological brother, not his brother-in-law, which mm. has become a mainstay ever since. Yes. A special reunion of the Adams Family cast from 1964 was broadcast on NBC, 11 years after the original show has been canceled. Oh. Everyone returned to their roles, except for, except for Blossom Rock as Grandmama, who was ill and passed away shortly before its broadcast. Oh. And this made-for-TV movie, released on Halloween... Wednesday and Pugsley had grown up, allowing for the return of an older Loring and Weatherwax. But younger siblings, Wednesday Jr. and Pugsley Jr., had been born <laughs> in the intervening years. <laughs> Which is just like... It's like Khan Jr. from King of the Hill. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's actually on YouTube. Is it? Yeah. It's worth Ooh. a watch. It's pretty fucking funny. I'll have to check that out. Let's see. Uh, see, this is, and I thought that I had consumed every bit of Adam's media that I could. No, yeah, no, it's mm, it's really fucking good. Extensive. The property lay dormant throughout the 1980s, with creator Charles Adams dying from a heart attack in '88 at the age of 78. Tragically, this meant he missed the biggest revival of mainstream interest in his long-running <sighs> characters, with a 30 million movie that was the d- directorial debut of Barry Sonnenfeld. <laughs> it was just fantastic. You know. 
It starred uh, Raul. 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 Just like his name, man. Yeah. Raul. Raul Julia as Gomez. Yeah. Angelica Houston as Morticia. Yeah. Christina Ricci as Wednesday. My ever-loving crush. Mm. Just so good. Mm. Christopher Lloyd as Fester. Yeah. Jimmy Workman as Pugsley. Judith Molina as Grandmama. And Carol... Stroiken. Stroiken. Carol Stroiken. His Dutch. As Lurch. The movie was a big success, both critically and commercially, grossing $191 million at the worldwide box office. Which, anytime I, anytime I read or hear both critically and commercially, I think of Patrick Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul! Mur- <laughs> Murders and ex- executions. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... The the fact that it was so successful, it spawned a new cartoon and video games. Yes, it did. For many, this film was the most popular incarnation of the franchise because of its modern sensibilities, high production value, and funnier tone. You know, I actually saw both of those in theaters. Me too. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love the second one. I love Adam's Family Values. That one gets shit on. It does. But I love that fucking movie. Okay. That rivals the first. It's like me. It's like, you know how, like... Sarah Jessica Parker is not that attractive. Yeah. But in Hocus Pocus, you're like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. That's and Joan Cusack in oh, Anna's yeah. Family Values. Yeah. You're like, oh, I will buy you that Malibu Barbie, okay? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about Joan Cusack. Sometimes she's hot, sometimes she's not, and I don't get what, I don't, I don't understand it. It's like Kira Sedgwick. I, get, I think it's like, the, what, yeah. whatever, whatever way the light hits her. Yeah, it's like John Cusack's career. Sometimes he's hot, sometimes he's not. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, John Cusack, if you're listening. You're I love probably you. not, but we do love you. You are the bomb in fucking... Everything, dude. Everything, especially fucking Gross Point Blank. Yes. You were fucking awesome. Anywho, and 1408. And identity. Underrated, yes. Ah, yeah. Oddly, the movie also spawned a popular pinball machine... Which yeah. has become the biggest selling pinball machine of all time, with more than 20,000 units sold since 1992. It's highly sought after. It, it really is. It is super highly sought after. Um, have you seen... I'll, I'll talk about it, whatever. Inspired by the success of the Adams Family movie in 1991, a new animated version was broadcast on ABC, again produced by Hanna-Barbera, which brought back John Aston to voice Gomez. Yes. He was voiced, or he was joined by Nancy Lenari as Morticia, Rip Taylor as Fester, Carol Channing <laughs> as Grandma, Jim's, Jim Cummings as Lurch, Yes, Debbie Derryberry as Wednesday, and Janine Elias as Pugsley. It ran for two seasons. I remember enjoying that show. Hell yeah, Wednesday. dude. Uh, having recouped three times its investments at the 1991 box office, Boom. it was no surprise that a sequel to the Adams Family movie was quickly greenlit by Paramount Pictures. The original cast returned, except for Judith Molina, who was replaced by Carol Kane as Grandmama. Oh, yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Despite being a much more entertaining movie, and my favorite of the pair, yeah. Values wasn't quite as successful as its predecessor. The studio, therefore, wasn't as keen to make a third movie and risk a further tightening of profit. And the untimely death of Raul Julia from complications following a stroke in 1994 ensured one never materialized. R.I.P., dude. I know, man. It's fucked up. Dude, he was 
He was such a good Gomez. He was. It was like it was made for him. Seriously, he like, like melted into the fucking like role. He really did. Like, yeah. Like he inhabited it in the same way that John Aston did. Yeah. But he still brought his own uniqueness to it, mm-hmm. which I think was fucking fantastic. Love it. I'm going to have to watch this tonight when I get I know. home I know. from recording. I'm going to have to on-demand that shit. Uh, often mistaken as a cheaper sequel to Sonnenfeld's two movies, Adam's Family Reunion was actually a feature-length sitcom pilot. However, things didn't turn out very well, so after a creative rethink, Reunion was repackaged to a direct-to-video movie. Is that the the one with Tim Curry yes. and Daryl Hannah? Yes. Mm. Which is crazy that Tim Curry is the worst <laughs> Gomez. Right? Like, come on! <gasps> I don't I don't know how that happened. I don't either. You know? Like, if, if you would say, like, who would you picture as a great fucking Gomez Adams? T- fuck Tim Curry. He'd nail it, but yeah. he did not. He did not. Like, I love you, Tim Curry. Please don't hate us if you're listening, but... Yeah, no, I yeah. don't... I, I don't know. I don't know at all. Maybe it's the fact that he's so Tim Curry. He can't play a Mexican guy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, That's true. Yeah, I yeah. mean... It, how do you expect a Brit to play a... That's like a, Tom Hardy is Gomez Adams, really. Well, he's got the shortness. He does. <laughs> Bless his little heart. Man, is it funny that I'm actually taller than Tom Hardy? It's pretty fucking funny. Dude, you're a lot taller than Tom yeah, Hardy. Yeah. You're taller than I am. God. Fucking Tom Cruise is Gomez Adams. <laughs> <laughs> he's running from his family constantly. Oh, Jesus. Oh... Uh, Doing his own stunts off the top of the mansion. One of the most overlooked incarnations oh. of the Adams Family was the American-Canadian sitcom that lasted 65 episodes. Do you remember that? I don't. Why don't I remember this? It was it was like on Fox Family. Oh, that's probably why. Uh, it had uh, Glenn Toronto as Gomez. Ellie Harvey as Morticia, Brody Smith as Pugsley, Michael Roberts as Fester, John DeSantis as Larch, and uh, Nicole Fergie, who played uh, Wednesday in the Anna's Family Reunion. Oh. Uh, John Aston was even on often as Grandpapa Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've never seen that. I've never even heard. What was it called? Was just it the Adams family? family? Yeah. A musical based on Charles Adams' original cartoons started to be worked on in 2007. Written by Broadway veterans Marshall Brickman and Rick Elise, with Andrew Lippa providing the songs. Nathan Lane was cast as Gomez, with B.B. Newworth as Morticia, Crystal Rodriguez as Wednesday, Adam Riegler as Pugsley, and Kevin Chamberlain as Uncle Fester, with Zachary James as Lurch. Nice. After a 2009 trial run in Chicago, the show opened for Broadway previews in 2010, drawing mostly bad reviews that closed after 722 performances before going on a nationwide tour. That's still a, a pretty decent yeah, not bad at all. long run. Uh, despite all the critical negativity circling it, performances were always sold out during its Broadway run, and in 2015, the musical was revived in Chicago. Now there are plans for the show to tour the UK and in Ireland after premiering at the Edinburgh Festival in 2017. Nice. 
Uh, Illumination Entertainment acquired the rights to the Adams Family with Universal Pictures around 2010, and we're hoping to make a stop-motion animated version of, um, of Charles Adams' original cartoons. Now, that would be fun. Yes. Tim Burton, who was once in the frame to direct the 1991 movie, was set to produce and direct, but hmm. the project had reportedly fallen apart by 2013. Thank God, because he would have fucking put Helena Bonham Carter's oh, fucking God, he would have. Ugh. Ugh. I feel like I'm talking shit about a lot of celebrities today. Yeah. A little, but, you know... Look, Helena Bonham Carter is good, but she's not shoved sh- down our throat like Tim Burton she, does. She's an older Mila Jovovich in the sense that I don't want... Yeah, it's like, it's like, the here's the holy trinity, okay? <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. Mila Jovovich. Uh-huh. Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to fucking see your wife in your movies, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least, at least, Helena Bonham Carter and Mila Jovovich can act. Yeah. I mean, fucking the fifth element was bomb. Yes. Sherry Moon Zombie is like... A box of Twinkies. Here's what it is. Here's Sherry Moon Zombie. Sherry Moon Zombie is... A hot topic employee that found out she can dress up as Harley Quinn for Halloween. <laughs> and, and it's what it is. And, and continues to be live the spooky lifestyle even yeah. well after forty. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. No, no, no. It's totally you know? fine. But I mean, hey, I love the spooky lifestyle. I have candles all over my bedroom. It's just Sherry Moon Zombie sounds like when you let air out of a balloon slowly. <laughs> You know, like, that's what she fucking sounds like. Like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You're fucking digging through the ditches. You know? <laughs> Burning through the witches. <laughs> God. Uh, and, you know, the Adams Family movie that just came out a few days ago stars Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. I love that guy. Charlize Theron. Yes. Chloe Grace Moretz, who I fucking hate. Yeah, you hate her, and I adore her. I fucking hate I her. I do, I like her a lot. Fucking wide-ass Owen Wilson mouth. I don't like her. Wow. Finn Wolfhard, Nick Kroll, wow. Snoop Dogg, Bette Midler, and Allison Janney. That fucking cast is stoked! Yes. Uh, the plot is the Adams Family lives begins to unravel when they move to New Jersey and face off against the 21st century and its greedy, arrogant, and sly reality TV host Margot Nedler, while also preparing for their extended family to arrive for a major celebration. Well, yeah, they moved to Jersey. What did they think would expect? What did they expect to happen? I have no fucking idea. Uh, now we're going to dig into... It's kind of the backstory of each character. Uh, Gomez is portrayed as a naive, handsome, and successful man, although with a childlike and eccentric enthusiasm for everything he did. I think that that's not a bad thing. No, not that's at all. That's a very good way to be. For instance, his personal portrait depicted him as standing gleefully on his head. Though a peaceful man, he was known to be well-versed in many types of combat. He and Morticia fenced uh, from time to time. It's true. And dude could throw knives like no other. Oh, yeah. Gomez professed endless love for his wife, Morticia, and he had studied to be a lawyer but rarely practiced. One of the running jokes um, being that he took great pride in losing his cases. (laughs) 
He was also pleased with the fact that his law class voted him the man least likely to pass the bar. (laughs) Gomez is depicted as extremely wealthy through inheritance and extensive investments, but he seemed to have little regard for money. Although he invested in the stock market to the point where there was a ticker tape machine in the living room. Oh, yeah. He played the market primarily to lose or else invested in odd schemes that inadvertently paid off big. Swampland found to have oil under it, etc. Yeah. One novel claimed Gomez became wealthy through his ghoulish sense of humor when he discovered it was possible to make a killing in the stock market. Despite his macabre sense of humor, he was extremely generous and would go out of his ways to help those who he considered friends. Gomez, Gomez is of Castilian origin, oh. loved to smoke cigars, and would play destructively with his model trains. <laughs> of the names which Charles Adams suggested for the family, Gomez was the only one that was not ghoulish in the matter of Morticia or Fester. Cogsley. Right. When asked why he suggested the name of Gomez for the character, he replied that he thought the character had a bit of Spanish blood in him. However, Adams had trouble deciding whether the character should be Spanish or Italian. He decided that if he were Spanish, he should be called Gomez, but if he was Italian, he would be called Rapelli, even though Gomez and Rapelli are actually surnames. The final choice yeah, of the name true. was left up to actor John Aston. Oh. Gomez was typically seen wearing conservative business wear long out of fashion, such as pinstripe suits and spats. Mm-hmm. Um, Morticia Adams is the matriarch of the Adams family, a slim woman with pale skin clad in skin-tight black hobble gown with octopus-like tendrils at the hem. It's iconic. Oh, man. Did you see that picture of Sophia Turner? Yes. Is this Morticia? Yes. Holy fuck. Yes. I'm like, as somebody who didn't find her remotely attractive, <laughs> I... Like, huh. I did an about-face about that. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Okay, I was always more of an Arya Stark kind of guy, but, you know. <laughs> I think Arya's a little bit more Wednesday than she is... Morticia. Which is probably why I like her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, certain sources suggest that Morticia may be some sort of vampire. She adores her husband Gomez as deeply as he does her. Um, Wednesday Adams was said to be named after the phrase, Wednesday's child is full of woe, from the poem Monday's Child. Her middle name, Friday, corresponds to the 1887 version of the poem. In the television show, she was a sweet-natured, innocent, happy child, largely concerned with her fearsome pet spiders. <laughs> a favorite toy was her Marie Antoinette doll, which Pugsley had guillotined. The movies gave Wednesday a much more serious and more mature personality, with a deadpan wit and morbid fascination with trying to physically harm or possibly murder her brother, yep. as she is seen strapping him into an electric chair, for example. <laughs> she was apparently often uh, successful, but Pugsley never died. Like most members of the family, he seemed to be inhumanely resilient. <laughs> Quasi-immortal. Yeah. <laughs> For his part, Pugsley was largely oblivious to the harm his sister tried to inflict on him, or an enthusiastic supporter of it, viewing all attempts as fun and games. In his first incarnation in the New Yorker cartoons, Pugsley was depicted as a diabolical, malevolent boy next door. In the television series, he was a devoted older brother and an inventive and mechanical genius. In the movies, he lost his intelligence and independence and became Wednesday's sidekick and younger brother, cheerfully helping her in her evil deeds. Yeah, somewhat punching bag. Yeah. In the stage musical, Wednesday was aged to about 18 years old while Pugsley was kept as a young child. Oh, that's different. That's different. 
Very different. Uh, Uncle Fester is a bald, barrel-shaped man with dark, sunken eyes and a devilish grin. He seemed to carry an electrical charge as he can illuminate a light bulb by sticking it in his mouth. I remember for a while they made a toy that you could do oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, in the original series, for, uh, Fester was Morticia's uncle, but in the 1991 film and all subsequent animated and uh, film media, Fester was Gomez's older brother. The character played a central role in both of the first two feature films. Yeah. yeah. In the Adams family, Fester was reunited with the other Adams ancestors 25 years apart, while the Adams family values focused on his relationship with Deborah Debbie Jelinski. Ugh. <laughs> <Which is> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, you have Grandmama, who is Gomez's mother, and is a witch. Which makes sense. Yeah. In one scene, Morticia and Gomez both revealed that each believed she is the other's mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thing was Gomez's friend since childhood. He appeared out of ubiquitous boxes or other convenient containers throughout the house. He communicated with Adamses with a Morse-like alphabet, sign language, writing, and knocking on wood. It's true. In I'm the, convinced that the, the Adams family house was laden with portals. Yes. That's how he got around. I like to think that that is uh, the Tenth Doctor's hand. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And that, this is a come, fighting hand. Because he comes out of a box. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's bigger on the inside. Yeah. Hmm? Makes sense. Hmm? And time travel, right? Yep. In the new Adams family, Finn was a fully mobile hand cleanly severed just below the wrist, although no muscle or bone was exposed. Right. He lived in an upstairs closet made up as a, made up as a house within a house, <laughs> though he was also shown to reside in a cigar box. In the original television series, Thing was generally played by Ted Cassidy, who played Lurch. <laughs> he was usually a right hand, but Cassidy, Cassidy occasionally used his left, just to see if anyone noticed. <laughs> uh... In addition to the thing, the Adams family also had a tall, ghoulish manservant named Lurch. Lurch served as a shambling, gravely-voiced butler, vaguely resembling Frankenstein's monster, although he is a considerable jack-of-all-trades. Yeah? He tried to help around the house, although occasionally he botched tasks due to his great size and strength, but it is otherwise considered quite a catch by the Adamses for his skill at more personal tasks, such as waxing Uncle Fester's head and and amusing the children to which whom he was deeply devoted. It's true. Surprisingly, he was often seen playing the harpsichord and organ with a great degree of skill and somewhat uncharacteristic enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah, because he's just sitting there dead-faced playing it. He's just having a ball. Yeah. In Adam's family reunion, Gomez stated that Lurch is not really an Adams, and Morticia replies that Lurch has the parts of many families, and that he is (laughs) a heart of an Adams. (laughs) Which I'll nice. In one episode of the 1960s television series, Lurch's mother, played by actress Ellen Corby, came to visit. She was a short, overbearing little lady. Little old lady. Lurch, too, had a level of invulnerability. In Anna's family values, 20-pound cannonballs dropped from the top of the Anna's mansion, landing directly on his head, seemingly with no ill effect. Got him. In the original comics, Lurch did not speak. In the sitcom, he was capable of speech, beckoned by the pull of a noose-shaped rope, which sounded a thunderous gong. He would answer with his signature monotone, You rang. Yep, you rang. This was due to actor Ted Cassidy ad-libbing the line, 
while rehearsing a scene early in production. <laughs> That's baller. The producers liked it so much that Lurch then became a speaking role. In the theatrical movies, Lurch never spoke, using only grunts, sighs, or simple gesticulations. The new Adams Family returned to the original sitcom style right down to the noose that rang a gong. Lurch rang also gong. seemed a little more polite than his earlier counterparts. And then you have Cousin It, who frequently <laughs> visited the family. He was a short-statured man that had long hair that covered his entire body from scalp to floor. He was known to speak in a high-pitched, nonsensical gibberish that only the family seemed to understand. In the second animated series, it was a super spy for the U.S. government. He fell in love with Margaret Alford and married her after her husband, Tully, was disposed of by the Adams' children. He and Margaret have a child named What? (laughs) (laughs) What? What? Uh, Then you have the pet's uh, kitty cat, which is like a giant fucking... seems has to be like... A lion, because yeah. that's like the roar that they yeah. use as a lion. Pugsley had an octopus named Aristotle. Baller. Which is so badass. I mean, who doesn't want an octopus? Right? I mean, they're fucking awesome. They are. The family had a pair of piranha named Tristan and Isolde, <laughs> uh, who live in a fish tank, and a vulture named Zelda, which is like, hell yes. Fuck yeah. They have a African strangler, which is a carnivorous plant, named Ke- uh, Cleopatra. <laughs> Yeah. Which is like, yes. It's like, fuck yeah. All right. Five video games were released from 1989 to 1994, based on the Adams Family. Fester's Quest in 1989 was a top-down shooter that featured Uncle Fester saving the world from an alien invasion. In 1992, two versions of the Adams Family were released by Ocean Software, based on the 1991 movie. An 8-bit version for the Nintendo Entertainment System, Game Boy... Sega Master System, Sega Game Gear, ZX Spectrum, and Commodore 64, as well as an 8-bit or a 16-bit version released for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Amiga, Atari ST, and Sega Mega Drive. Just like fuck yes. That's a lot of that's a lot of video games to consume. It really is. I remember Fester's Quest being fucking awesome though. Yeah. On the NES. Yeah. Yeah. I used to rent that from Video to Go all the time. Video to Go. Yeah. Wow. That was that was just one of one of our many local video stores. Now we have none. Lowell's a funny town. It's like nothing but bars and pizza places and churches. And it used to be bars, pizza places, churches, and video stores. <laughs> They've gone. Yeah, Family Video ran them all out of town. Now that Family Video is a Family Express. Oh boy! I know. Oh boy! Good donuts though. Well, really? Surprisingly. Hmm. All right. Um, you know who else is also mysterious and spooky? Uh, me and you? I mean, duh, without a doubt. Yeah. But also, our fact-finding friend, Facty. Yeah. In the movie... Anthony Hopkins turned down the role of Uncle Fester. Oh. Oh, look, I love Christopher Lloyd, but that would have been next. Oh, it would have been insane. That would have been fucking bonkers. Uh, Angelica Houston had to go through a lot to get into character. Did she really? Morticia has a shape only a cartoonist can draw. 
Sonnenfeld told Entertainment Weekly. So we lashed Angelica into a metal corset that created this hips and waist thing I've never seen any woman have in reality. <laughs> wow. The role also required Houston to get gauze eye lifts, neck tucks, and fake nails daily. She says, come afternoon, I, would, I could be prone to a really good headache from my various bondages. Oh, man. And because I couldn't lie down or rest, it was fairly exhausting. Ugh. David Levy, the executive producer of the old Adams Family TV series, sued Paramount and Orion after the movie was released to surprising commercial success. He claimed that too many of his ideas, which were originally from his show and not from the Charles Adams cartoons, were used in the movie. Uh, Levy, who still owned the rights to the TV show, created specific character quirks and concepts that were used in the movie, such as Gomez's love of blowing up toy trains, the theme being a disembodied hand, uh, as opposed to being a normal background character in the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paramount and Levy ultimately settled out of court. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Fucking liars. You know? Ringo Starr from the Beatles once grabbed John Aston's arm and started kissing up its length before Aston stopped him from going b- past his elbow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Ringo thing ever. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. Oh, well. Jackie Coogan was well, best known as Uncle Fester, but who is an acclaimed child star of the silent film era. Most notably, he worked alongside Charlie Chaplin in The Kid, 1921. Coogan was ruthlessly exploited by his parents and saw very little of the money that he earned. His subsequent litigation against them led to the passage of Coogan's Act, a California law which was designed to protect the interests the interest of child actors. I actually did know that. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd played Uncle Fester in the Adams Family movies, and to make himself look like the character, he not only shaved his head, but he crouched down throughout the film, appearing shorter than his six-foot-one frame. Oh. Crouching also allowed Lloyd to imitate Fester's unsteady walk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rapper MC Hammer performed the theme Adam's Family Groove for the 1991 Adam's Family film. Yep. The song reached number seven on Billboard Top 100 in the United States, but it also won Hammer a Golden Raspberry Award for the worst original song. Ouch. The song was Hammer's last top ten hit in the U.S. <laughs> well, what a way to go out, though. You know? I mean- Rather than attempting some type of ambitious prop work, the disembodied hand that was Thing was played by an actual actor. Canadian magician Chris Hart played the Thing in the movies and was sit under a table for hours with only his hand exposed until it went numb. It also took four months to film his scenes, since each scene had to be shot twice, once with Hart and once without. When the scenes were finished, Hart's body was erased, leaving only the illusion of the bodiless hand. Which, you know, the fucking lengths that these people go to. It's true. The Adams Family movie could have been a very different cast. At one time, Tim Burton was attached to the film as director. Cher reportedly wanted to play Morticia. Oh, God. But the producers wanted Angelica Houston from the start. Danny DeVito and Bob Hoskins were both offered the role of Fester, but both turned it down. Hmm. Which, honestly, not bad. All of them not bad worked. choices at all. <laughs> In 1994, the actors cast as the Adamses in the first two films, stands the recently deceased Raul, Raul Julia, were in several Japanese television spots for the Honda Odyssey. <laughs> the Adamses, wow. most prominently Gomez, from whom a vo- voice actor was used to impersonate uh, Raul, while footage from the Adams Family Values was seen, and Morticia are seen speaking Japanese. 
Which is just like, you know. Dude, American people in Japanese cartoons are fucking bonkers. Hilarious, dude. Like, especially, like, the Schwarzenegger ones. Uh, Have you ever seen those? Yes. Jesus, yes. God. This is the bonus fact. Okay. The sound that was Cousin It's voice mm-hmm. were hedgehogs. Really? Yeah. Oh. They recorded hedgehog noises, like and hedgehogs. that was Cousin It's voice. That's baller as fuck. So fucking creative, man. And now Cousin It is Snoop Dogg. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Hey. From Snoop Dogg, from Hedgehogs to Snoop Dogg. Oh shit! Ah, oh, that would be a great Cousin It autobiography <laughs> title. Cousin It, from Hedgehogs to Snoop Dogg. Oh my god! It's just like the covered in it's covered in hair. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you know what? Got to fucking do it. Fucking a. Uh, and with that, we close the book on another spooky episode. Check back in in tomorrow for a brand new scare. Until next time, remember, you rang. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid. Hi, this is Heather from Hauntings and Homicide. And I want to talk to you a little bit about my role model, Morticia Adams. When I was little, I always idolized the spookier ladies like Elvira, the Sanderson sisters, Jillian and Sally from Practical Magic, but Morticia may be the greatest role model a little girl can have. She's a loving mother, a devoted wife, a homemaker, and somehow manages to pull it all off while looking fly as hell. Like, seriously, what an icon, right? The original glamour ghoul. I remember having a box of dress-up clothes and there being one dress in particular that made me feel like I was Morticia. It was definitely the beginning of my lifelong dedication to the goth persuasion. Anyway, I think what makes her so special, though, is that she's got it all, you know, the things we're supposed to want when we grow up. But the thing is, Morticia has never shed her weirdo goth phase, and therefore paved the way for the rest of us to not have to either. Yeah? So... Be weird, be spooky, and be proud. It's the Adams way. <laughs>